I'm Kate Daniels. We are living in a highly critical time. You know this without my saying it. This morning, we're going to discuss it because we need to understand our need and the need of every citizen in this country to exercise our right to cast a vote. The election is less than two months away. To energize and inspire us is Richard Bell, a New York City attorney who has used his skills pro bono to protect voters at the polls. We'll do this in the context of his new book, Voting, the Ultimate Act of Resistance. Richard Bell, good morning. It is really so wonderful and such an honor to have you join us this morning. So good morning. Good morning, Kate, and thank you so much for inviting me. This is such a key, important conversation at this time. Here we are just less than two months now to the election. So the opportunity to talk about the vote, voting, what's gone on, what we need to do, and all kind of wrapped up in the context of your new book, Voting the Ultimate Act of Resistance, a very intriguing title. Thank you. (laughs) So here we are. Yes, less than two months to go. And this is a very critical time, isn't it? So that hopefully we are registered, but if a person is not or they're questioning it, there's still time to get that accomplished. Yes. And, and Kate, what has to be remembered is that every state has its own rules, its own deadlines, its own procedures. So my suggestion to everyone in your audience is to go to this nonpartisan website called Vote. Vote.org, because it will spell out state by state all of the requirements so all people in your audience can make sure they're complying with all the procedures and laws that are necessary. And my three rules of voting, early, early, early. And and I haven't always abided by that for whatever reason, because we have mail-in ballots here, so it's so simple. But this year, I am really getting that message loud and clear. As soon as that ballot arrives, it's getting marked and back in the mail. Because, I mean, there's so many issues around it, saying I'm putting it in the mail. The mail is an issue. Oh, Kate, uh, it couldn't be more of an issue presently. And you saw the Postmaster General uh, dance around when speaking to Congress. So this is what I would say to people. Number one, I want to say unequivocally, I have complete faith in our election system. And despite a lot of misinformation out there and a lot of mischaracterization, I think we're going to have a fair and free election with one proviso the voters have their responsibility here. And one of it is because of this slowdown at the post office and whether or not it's going to be corrected on time, in many states, at the, at the latest, some states have your ballot has to be received by Election Day or postmarked by Election Day. No one should get anywhere near there. We do what you do, Kate. You get your ballot. You return it immediately. You check it three times to make sure that everywhere is signed where it's supposed to be. Everything is filled out. But most important, now, of course, Washington is is, is, is a wonderful state because you have a universal vote uh, by mail. Not all states have that. So what I think is necessary is if you feel in any way uncomfortable, if you're approaching the few weeks before election, you don't have to go through the post office. You can in most states, return it to your local board of elections in person. 
Uh, some states you can bring it to early voting polling sites. That's why you need to have a plan and have it early. Precisely. And we are fortunate also in that we have so many mail uh, voting drop-off boxes. Uh, Many of the public libraries have it right on site. And people, you know, even in these days uh, when the libraries are closed, they're still drive-up service. So we can get to that drop-off box. And uh, and as you say, at the uh, at our county offices, we certainly in this state are not lacking, I believe. No, Washington is obviously a leader with four other states in the universal mail-in. The drop-boxes, that's a great thing to mention. Not all states have it, but now a good number of states have it, and that's another convenient way to do it. There's just so many alternatives for voters to make sure they get their vote in time and counted, that there's absolutely no excuse. And it, it serves us, as you were saying, make you know, check it over a, a number of times to make sure everything is, those T's are crossed and the I's are dotted, et cetera. Yes, Kate, because when mail-in ballots have been rejected around the country, there's basically two reasons. One is the late arrival, which we just spoke about. The other is some type of mistake on the form, either a missing signature or a non-matching signature. And that's devastating because you think you've done everything right. And if your ballot is not counted, that is an absolute travesty. Now, in approximately 20 states, and it may be 21 because there was a court ruling in New Jersey yesterday, those states will notify you if your mail-in ballot has been rejected and give you a time to cure it. But there's there's, uh, almost 30 states that won't do that. That's why you must check it three times. You know, the thing that really stuns me, and actually I'm an immigrant, so I'm um, from Canada. I've only mm. been able to vote for the last 20 years. And so I I, I realize the, the privilege that I have and the importance of it. So to find that um, there are these kind of issues at where people are trying to thwart that, to do all they can to prevent us. Well, here we have mail-in, so it's not an issue. But where people have to go in person, that there's that limitation and long lines, it's it just feels so wrong. Oh, and it is, Kate. And, and my, my book follows my journey where I am on the ground and at the polls or in the courtroom fighting voter suppression. And when you read these stories, you realize this is not some academic study. This is, this is me on the ground telling what really happens to voters and when they do in-person voting. And it makes you realize, number one, why voting is the ultimate act of resistance, because if it wasn't, there wouldn't be one party so intent on limiting it. I I always say to people, we live in an age when shopping online is easy and voting is made hard, and that should never be in a democracy. That is mind-boggling, isn't it? It is. It is mind-boggling to me. And when I first started doing this uh, almost 16 years ago, it was so alarming to me that, that people would come to a polling place and some poll worker would say, no, I'm sorry, I don't see you in the book, go home. 
And of course, my job was to say, no, don't go home. We, we, we have things that we can possibly do here today. And what, what was most worrisome, which was whether I was in Ohio or New Jersey or Pennsylvania or Florida, it was always beyond disproportionately voters of color who were affected. I'm talking about more, well more than 90% in my own experience. And it was, it was very alarming, but unfortunately not surprising based on our history of voter suppression. And would you say that the voter suppression goes back back to the time uh, a couple hundred years? Yes. So what happens is when the uh, get into Reconstruction and we now have um, the right to vote for, for African-Americans, well, that's when Jim Crow starts and that's when the ex-felon voting laws start. And as time goes on, the poll taxes and the literacy tests, this is such a long history in America. And I would say the last 40 years, it's clearly been a political strategy because it's no coincidence that that, that there are forces out there that are trying to get people on one side of the uh, voting uh, ledger not to vote. And especially when our own Supreme Court in 2013 struck down a section of the Voting Rights Act, which required, these were mostly southern states with a couple exceptions, required that those states go before the attorney general's office or a court for what's called pre-clearance if they were going to do anything changing voting laws. And the Supreme Court essentially said, well, we don't need this anymore. It's kind of a post-racial society. Well, nothing could be more wrong in the last seven years because it didn't take a day before those states started enacting ID laws and uh, closing down polling stations and things of that nature. And it has been a very tough uphill fight in the last seven years, especially. And that is why two things it is so important when we do have this privilege that we do exercise that right and do it as soon as we can. And in the meantime, your book, Voting, the Ultimate Act of Resistance, is this opportunity to see more of that history. And I think that during these times, we, with all of the unrest we're seeing, that this is a time when we need to learn more of our history and really become more informed and enlightened. Yes, I couldn't agree more because we, we have these dual challenges at the moment. Obviously, uh, a horrible pandemic. We have a racial inequality reawakening. And the focus has rightly for a number of months been on step one, which are protests and marches and race consciousness. I want people now to move on to step two, which is the focus of my book, which is voting. Because I know and I believe to my core that voting turns anger into action and ideas into law. And we need to go from rage to engage because then everything else has been for naught. That is a great phrase, rage to engage. And 
And if we can funnel all of that energy, because there is a lot of it, into into action, I mean, what a change, a positive change we can create. Yes, because, Kate, let's look at examples from the last few months. Why did it take, in a liberal state like New York, where I am, why did it take until 2020 for these 10 police reforms that have been talked about forever? Why? Because there's an election coming up, there's an angry populace, and the legislators and the uh, governor seem to be able to do it quite quickly. And, and why in Richmond, Virginia, did it take until July of this year to, to uh, take down Confederate statutes by the government or, or Mississippi after 120 years changing its flag? Because public sentiment had changed dramatically and elections are coming up. It shows you that what Martin Luther King Jr. once said, voting is the foundation stone for political action. That's what we have these three examples in the last few months. And 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 I'm hoping and and praying that really we're getting that. Sometimes, do you feel that the that real message is being lost because the rage is uh, is there and and keeps in a way becoming greater? Sure. So, Kate, I kind of look at myself as I call myself a realistic Pollyanna. So the realistic side of me says. It doesn't get across to everyone, but the Pollyanna side of me says, wait a second, this is a moment, and if we just keep getting out that message to everyone, you want change, you are the change. And the only way that change really happens over time is by voting in the kind of people that are going to effectuate your change in policy and law, because in the end, it's not about talk. It's about action. And action in a democratic society is policy and law. And I hope most of all, the young people that have uh, uh, done the protesting and marching and race consciousness and all these, these wonderful things, that they need to understand you have to do step two, which is voting. And I hope that message, I, I know a lot of people are talking about it now now the voters, it's up to the people to do it. And I guess that there's a place where there is, this is optimistic in that there's a lot of phone calling going on and letter writing and postcard sending that's going on to really remind people and, and bring that to their attention. So I think we can look at that as, as a positive sign. Very. As a matter of fact, I've been involved in the last week in phone banks uh, for Ohio and Wisconsin, and so many people are on these phone banks uh, virtually, and we call into uh, voters. Right now, we're basically calling in to recruit young poll workers because poll workers tend to be of an advanced age, and we understand why they would be reluctant to be a poll worker during a pandemic. So we're trying to get the young people to do that, and we're trying to recruit uh, poll watchers and poll observers. And the, the message is there. We have to make sure it penetrates at every level of society, across every age group, across every ethnicity, race. We all have to be in this because this is truly an election of a lifetime. And that can't be underscored any more greatly than saying how how that is so the truth. And 
to to really embrace the fact that we must get out there and vote, encourage others. And actually, so one thing that I feel very encouraged by is some creative thinking uh, for polling stations and the limitations in some area areas where I, I believe this started in Wisconsin with the basketball stadium there that the players uh, were saying, let's open this up at our arena as a polling station. Yes, this is terrific. It's now the entire NBA. The policy was they were recruiting all of the NBA arenas to be polling stations, and there was a uh, recruitment of NFL stadiums. I don't know if that uh, was effectuated or not, but I know the NBA arenas have been uh, right here in New York. Madison Square Garden is going to be used as a polling station. And why that's so important is because if you do vote in person, you won't have any problem with social distancing (laughs) when you have those size uh, polling areas. And also, it's a little cachet. You know, we can bring in the young people, people who are fans of sports. They get to go into the arena. One of the ideas I had, I don't know if it's going to happen, I would love to see members of the NBA teams at those Polish state polling stations as observers. I think it would be just a great happening for young people. Yes, <laughs> I see it as really being a draw. You come here, you're going to see, you know, some of your star players that you you can only see on TV, maybe. So yeah, that would be sure. great. I hope that happens. Yeah, I, I hope it happens. I, I just think that anything that you can do to make voting easier, more pleasant for everyone whatever you can do to get people to those polls within reason, like, like something like that is always a positive. I know when I work outside the polls as, uh, as the lawyer protection, I bring bottles of water and I bring snacks. So if a line starts to form, I, I give them out to the voters. I want to keep them there. They have to stay. Sometimes there are long lines. Right. And what the advantage of, of having a stadium where, as you say, we can have, social distancing so easily, but it, it it spreads it out too in terms of the entrances and the exits. They're they're bountiful in the arenas. So when I heard that, I thought, oh, I there's just this wonderful energy of uh, finding solutions. Yes, and that's the thing, Kate. The solutions have been out there for a long time. I mean, the 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 House passed this law with 10 different reforms in 2019. The Brennan Center for Justice has had a list of reforms. It's about political will. So we're at a moment right now where the political will may have to come from NBA players. And that's great, too, because wherever it can come from to make effectuate change immediately and get more people involved in the system, I'm 100 percent for it. And I happen to be a big sports fan. So I think it's a great idea on a lot of levels. And considering how, you know, people or society has been uh, having to have very limited access to sporting events, um, as you were saying, to walk into an arena will will definitely be an exciting thing. Sure. I, I think it would be a great thing. And if it can get young people especially excited what could be bad about getting young people excited about participating in their democracy, especially in a moment like this? 
absolutely nothing. It's the it's the best thing we can do as a society. And certainly, we've seen the the younger generation very involved in the marches and in the protests, which of course signals that their their passion and their their desire for bringing attention to change and wanting to initiate change. So here, as you were saying, changing that rage to engage, uh, how do we ensure that we get that message across? Okay, so number one, and we all understand for better or for worse, we live in an age of celebrity. So it is important that sports stars and entertainers and people that connect especially with young people, get that message out every day of the week on social media, um, in, in virtual appearances, in public uh, address announcements. We have to keep it out there in the forums that reach people. You know, Kate, in 2016, it, it's so sad, 100 million eligible voters did not participate in the presidential election of 2016. 100 million. I, and I, and what is, is that? that a, yeah, what is that? Well, the, the Knight Foundation did a study, and they said it's basically people who are um, disengaged, don't feel that the system uh, uh, includes them, people that have a lot of low information and not people that watch the news. We, we, we have to make it cool for p- young people to be in the system, and it, it and it's not enough. Like I said, step one: the marches, the demonstration, the protests are great. But in 2016, I'll, I'll never forget. A few days after the election, I was so upset. I came back from Florida doing my voter protection work, and I was watching all these demonstrations that broke out, um, many in New York near Trump Tower, and all these young demonstrators saying, "He's not my president." And I turned to my wife and I said. I would like to ask each and every one of them if they voted on Tuesday. And mm. I'll bet you the answer would not be in a very high percentage. So we can't we can't complain after the fact we have to do something before the bad thing happens. Exactly. Yes. So we just need to keep putting one step ahead of the other and and doing what we can it no act is uh, is too small because together it just is a groundswell of of making this good positive change in our country absolutely and just simple things if you would close schools, if you would make Election Day uh, a holiday, if besides arenas, if you used big box stores, if they were donated for the day to be used, you know, the Walmarts and, and, and the Targets and the stores of those sizes. If you would just do simple things like have more drop boxes, the, these are very doable things. This is not a complicated science. These are simple things that we can do, but we have just do them, and we only have a little over 60 days to do it. And could we do something like making Election Day a holiday so that it allows people to to have enough time, if they have to stand in line, to cast their ballot? What does it take to make that change? Essentially, it's going to take an act of Congress. It's uh. been talked about for decades and decades. Uh, a state could make it a state holiday. Um But it hasn't happened. And like I said, once again, if there's a groundswell 
of voters. Politicians, I once spoke at a high school and I, and I told the high schoolers, politicians are so scared of you. You are the power because once you become a registered voter, you have the power to elect them or reelect them or vote them out. And if there's a groundswell of public opinion that goes one way, politicians are going to follow. We would like to think of them all as leaders, and we have some. But most of them are followers, and if there's a, a groundswell of public opinion going that way for these things that we mentioned, they will happen. And I believe one thing that you also recommend if, if you anticipate there being challenges to um, request an absentee ballot. Oh, yes. So right now, Kate, there are more than 190 lawsuits going on in 43 states regarding things like sending out applications uh, automatically. The, uh, the president's team is opposing that. Um, there are lawsuits regarding expanding the deadlines on receiving uh, uh, ballots. Um, there's a lawsuit about Alabama requiring a notary. Can you believe this? Requiring a notary for your absentee ballot. You're a, a low-income person or a rural person. I mean, what's the chances that you're going to get a notary to to uh, do this for your ballot? So these are all these lawsuits going on now preemptively, and most of them have not been decided yet. So everything is in flux right now, and we all know that the rule of law has, has been uh, assaulted quite greatly in the past three and a half years. So we, we have to put a lot of hope in the courts right now. Yes. And and thus just really be paying attention and using our energy to make sure that we're focused on that, to not allow any of these really skewed kinds of things to go on, because it just really... It seems, I'm going to go to mind-boggling, that for something that is so critically important that there are those who want to thwart it and limit the people who come out to vote. Yes, and Kate, you used a great word, energy, because if we could get our energy and focus on this, we as the people, we the people could make this happen. And in my book, I quote from, um, from Susan B. Anthony, and she said, someone struggles for your right to vote, use it. And I also quote from one of my heroes, uh, Fannie Lou Hamer, who's one of the great voting rights heroes of the 60s. And she really simplified it for all of us. She said, whether you have a Ph.D. or a no-D, we're in this bag together. And that really says it all. We're in this together. We, we have to make it happen together. Exactly. And that's where we can really feel the power that we have, but we need to exercise it. That means getting to the polls. And if we, for whatever reason, are feeling some uncertainty or just want more information, uh, education, really, your book, new book, Voting, The Ultimate Act of Resistance. It's available now uh, very readily. We can, because of this time of uh, going, uh, getting materials delivered to us, it's so easy to get a book. And uh, potentially even the library may have a copy. 
Yes, and your neighbor Amazon uh, <laughs> certainly has it on there in both versions, the uh, digital and the, uh, the regular copy. And the digital has really been very, very popular in, in, this year because of uh, being shut down and libraries have really upped their their quantities of digital material. So that's very popular. One way or another, though, this is the education that we need to hear the stories, read the stories that you share, because you've been involved in this. As you said, you've really been actively involved for the last 16 years. Yes, and and what I want to encourage your audience, in reading the book, you're going to see what voter suppression looks like because there's stories of, of the police coming from me in Philadelphia and a, and a judge coming at me in New Jersey and basically everyone coming after me in Florida. It's a battleground. It's a real battleground. Appreciate your right to vote because someone is trying to stop some people from voting. So don't let that ever happen to you. Exactly. So act, vote, and we should mention your website too, because there's just, uh, again, good information there and getting to know a little bit more about you, Richard. Oh, thank you. Yes, that would be 877calllaw.com, C-A-L-L-L-A-W. So 877calllaw.com. Perfect. Well, this has been such a critically important conversation. I'm so grateful to you for your passion and sharing this information with us. Uh, It could be such a much longer conversation, but I think the thing to do is just get the book, read it, and really all of us get inspired and get out there and cast our ballot, right? Yes, let's just all get out there. And it was an honor, Kate. I really appreciate you uh, you having me and getting the message out. Well, then we've made a, a good team approach on this, right? Terrific. <laughs> yes. This is what we're looking for, that kind of team energy. Yes, indeed. Well, let's look forward and upward, shall we? Absolutely. It's the only way to go.